know, I try to, I try to educate them and saying, like, listen, your core is involved with all this, you know, and if, and if, if, and if really, what, if what you're saying is like you want more abdominal work because you can't see them, well, maybe that's a discussion we need to have about your diet. Because that's just really, you know, you have fat covering your abdominals and, you know, you want to be able to showcase your abdominals and get rid of the fat. Kia ora friends, welcome back to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast. My name is Jackson Burden, the host of the podcast. I'm a personal trainer, online nutrition coach and gym owner here in Auckland, New Zealand. And this podcast is all about bringing together like-minded people just like you, just like me, to talk shop about nutrition training, and lifestyle. My guest today is Tony Gentlecore, a well-renowned strength and conditioning coach and writer. He's contributed to many different publications such as Men's Health, T-Nation, and Bodybuilding.com. Tony's someone I learned a lot from in my early days uh, coming into the health and fitness industry, and he's got a really pragmatic and uh, nuanced view of health and fitness and specifically on training with a strength and conditioning background, training athletes, and now working with a lot more general population. I wanted to ask Tony what the key differences are between programming for athletic populations and for people who are just looking to tone up, lean up, and get strong. In this episode, we cover Tony's absolute must-do exercises, why you're likely doing ab training wrong, and why adding low to the bar is not the only way to progress your training long-term. This is a phenomenal episode if you are brand new to training and you want to learn some fundamentals, but it's also a great one if you're a coach or you're someone who wants to take a little bit of a deeper dive into why strength training is an essential activity for all humans. So I'm not going to ramble anymore. Let's just get stuck into this one. You're going to love it. This is episode 36 of the Vegan Body Coach Podcast with Tony Gentlecore. So Tony, I wanted to um, start this by just, I guess, even for myself and for the listeners, getting a little bit of a background of who you are, what you're into, what lights you up, um, and that way we can all get a bit more of a, an insight into who Tony is and, and what you're all about, because obviously I have a little bit of a knowledge already, but yeah. We'll, uh, in we'll in terms of what that. lights me up, I'll tell you what, I just yeah. saw I, earlier this week, the new Matrix trailer was released, and that kind of lit me up. <laughs> oh, I've never, they're doing another one? Oh, yeah, they're uh, res- Matrix Resurrection. Wow. Um, okay. Were you a fan of got, the, the two sequels? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, big fan of the original. I would argue that's probably in my top 10 uh, greatest movie experiences of all time. Because I, yeah, I remember totally. when I saw it, I was, uh, I think I was a junior in college. And I went and saw one of my teammates. I played baseball in college. One of my teams was like, yeah, I went and saw this movie, The Matrix, last night. And it was awesome. And he was trying to explain like what it was and couldn't do it. Yes. So then I went and saw it and it like, yeah, mind blown. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, when the, when the two sequels were released, I of course was very excited for them and, uh, reloaded was okay. There were elements of it that I loved, of course. Yeah. Um, and resurrect and, and, um, revolution bits and parts were cool, but they, they just were not very good. Right. Uh, so I'm hoping after watching the new trailer, um, only one of the Wachowski siblings directed. I think it was Lana Wachowski is directing this latest one, but Keanu's in it. 
Um, oh, wow. Trinity is in it. So, yeah, I'm excited. It's one of those things where it's going to be released on HBO and and in the in the theaters at the same time. So, okay. um, and I know your listeners are, are didn't don't come on here to talk about movies. So I will try to get off the matrix <laughs> the matrix kick. So um, it's just been the most talk about me for a little bit. Up. So, but part of me is, but part of part of me part of me is movies. Like I love movies. That's part of That's awesome. what ma- what does make me happy in life. But um, you know, in terms of fitness and health and fitness in general, uh, I. I often joke that I, I'm the only one in my immediate family that grew up with a very health conscious mind. Uh, I just kind of organically and naturally gravitated to that to that realm. And uh, I think a lot of it was stemmed from the fact that I, I played a lot of sports as a kid. I grew up in an era where there was no smartphones, there was no internet. Uh, I had I lived in the middle of nowhere, so I only had we had a TV antenna that got us like three channels. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. it wasn't like I was at home watching cable all day either or streaming yeah, yeah. movies or so I was outdoors a lot playing a lot of sports. And eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know, I think if I got a little bit stronger and maybe faster, I would actually throw baseball harder. I would hit it further. Um, you know, just my natural intuition. And, you know, I won't lie. I, I will say watching a lot of commando and Rambo and, and damn movie like i watching those movies growing up certainly kind of nudged me to the weight room as well when you watch schwarzenegger and salone and and, uh van damme and all those guys so um i can't tell you how many times i watched those movies and i was like yeah it'd be kind of cool to look like that and so you know i think sports was the main impetus and main and main root cause of why i gravitated to the weight room and um, you know, once, once I, my career playing baseball was over, I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. <laughs> uh, and that, that basically pushed me to where I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer to a school that's closer to home now and actually get a degree in something. And that mm. was, that was health education. And, uh, I was this, this close to becoming a health teacher oh, wow. and, uh, I, I did my student my student teaching placement as a as a as a college student. I did a high school placement and a middle school placement, and it was fine. Like I was, I would have been happy doing that. Like I enjoyed teaching kids about health and fitness. And when I was student teaching, you know, I kind of recruited some kids to come to the weight room with me, and I was doing that yeah. with them. So I, you know, I I, I could have envisioned like a scenario where I did that and started a, a weightlifting club and became a baseball coach and I probably would have been fine. But, yeah. you know, the idea of wearing a, a tie to school every, to every day and having to wear like khakis and a button up <laughs> shirt, I was like, yeah. eh. you know, I, I get to wear sweatpants as a, as a yeah. profession now. So, you know, luckily part of my, part of my degree was I, I also had a concentration in health wellness promotion so I had to do an internship the summer after my senior year of, of, of school. And that happened to be at a corporate fitness center located near Syracuse, New York, like the central New York uh, region. And um, so I was, a ba- I was basically a personal trainer for a summer. And, l- and when I was done, they, they had a, luckily they had a spot, a vacant spot opening and they hired me right out of the gate. So, you know, it was like, okay, choose between wearing 
a tie and khakis every day or sweatpants and vintage t-shirts and, yep. and, 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 and showing people how to deadlift and squat. And that, that was an easy choice for me. Um, and then that, that just kind of gravitated or, or I graduated to, you know, eventually I, I moved on and moved to Connecticut, met up with Eric Cressy. You know, we moved to Boston, opened up Cressy sports performance with Pete Dupuy and, you know, that, that grew to be a, a pretty, legit gym. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I was there for eight years building my own wow. brand on top of that brand. And now I'm on my own doing my own thing in Boston, just kind of training gen pop clients and, and making them into a bunch of deadlifting terminators for lack yeah. of a better term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, it is, it is interesting how it develops, right? I mean, I think I have like almost similar parallels to you there in the sense that I never, I mean, I got into the gym as, a young guy during my years in the army and I never had any like massive goals of taking that anywhere. But when I'd finished my years with the military, it was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And at that time, all I wanted to do was go and lift some weights every day. Like that's my, that was my whole goal of the day. I was like, get to the gym. And so you start thinking of like, what can I actually do? And, 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 and I, I really uh, resonated with what you're saying of like, Hey, I just, I don't want to have to like, wear what someone else is going to make me wear for the rest of my life i want to wear my track pants or i want to wear uh you know my tank top or whatever it may be and i just come out of like obviously five years wearing uniforms and making it look spotless and you know having everything like iron to the t and so i was like just ready to get rid of all of that and so personal training was really the only route i could think of where i could just spend all my time in the gym um and so it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing how you do develop into that, and I think majority of personal trainers do. You know, I think especially here in New Zealand, the attrition rate is incredibly high. You know, you'll see a ton of personal trainers go through their their certifications, and you know, I would say ninety percent of them don't make it out of a year of actual being in the industry. Yeah, because sure. it's a tough industry, right? Um, so what do you think for yourself? Like, you know, I guess you would still class yourself as a personal trainer, uh, Tony. And yeah, I and- don't, I know, I know nowadays, especially with social media, it's kind of like taboo to label yourself as a personal trainer. Like you have to yeah, like, like you have to come up with some like, you, <laughs> some know, fancy name. Name. <laughs> you know, I've heard, I've heard, I mean, I, I see some really asinine titles that people, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of interchangeable between personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, yeah, you know, but I'm perfectly fine calling myself a personal trainer. Like I've seen some people calling themselves body architects and like fat, <laughs> like, I'm just like, dude, you're a personal trainer. You're like, a PT. Just, just <laughs> like, <accept it>. yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, that, that to label yourself a personal trainer. It's completely fine. 100%. Um, so yes, I would, I would, uh, uh, certainly label myself in that realm as, as a personal trainer, um, you know, and educator too, because I, I, I yeah. do, I, I do travel quite a bit, not, you know, like omitting a, a global pandemic. Like I, I do get to travel quite a bit and, and teach other professionals like about assessment and exercise technique and programming and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, so to some degree, yeah, educator as well, but yeah. certainly in my main gig, is as a personal trainer for sure yeah and it's interesting i don't actually know how i originally came across your work i mean it would have been years ago when i first got into the industry i'm assuming um and ever since and we use an app for a lot of my clients to write their programs and and you know put videos on there for them exercise technique videos and i've still got one of your 
um, seal row videos as like the tutorial video for that exercise. And I saw that the other day and I was like, oh, that's Tony's video. Like I, I was, you know, before we were doing this podcast and I was like, oh, I've obviously, I've obviously known about you for a long time. I had no idea where I found you. Maybe it was via one of these podcasts or maybe it was um, via one of your, you know, some of your content on blogs sure. and things like that. Um because I know you've done a fair bit of writing for different publications online, and I think that sort of um, got you into the public eye a little bit more. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, you know, I I started, you know, I mean, Eric Cressy was my roommate. We, he and I were roommates for a couple of years. And, and oh, we, wow. we uh, you know, so I kind of got the writing bug being around him. Like, he, he, was, he was a pretty... Um, uh, he was writing for Teen Nation at a pretty young age, and like, and, and writing for them while we were roommates. And you know, and the more I started doing my own coaching and, and gaining more experience as a trainer, and, and like interacting with different people and reading stuff online, you know, I would read articles on Teen Nation, for example, or Men's Health or Bodybuilding.com, and yeah. I'd be like, oh, I, I could write about that topic, but in a way that's probably a little bit more relatable and yeah. Uh, yeah. less boring or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I would say I started I started my own personal website and blog, I want to say circa 2006. Mm, um, okay, well. You know, I, and I think my first Teen Nation article was published in 2006 as well. Wow. So, um, you know, I was lucky enough that, uh, I was, I, 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 I broke through <laughs> with Teen Nation because that's not, that's not easy to do. I mean, I can't imagine even the number of submissions they get. Um, you know, and now, you know, because, you know, I, and that kind of just stemmed into other writing opportunities, not to mention, I, I just stuck to my guns and wrote for myself a lot. Like I have, right. I think probably over 2000 blog posts on my website over the course of wow. 15 years of writing. Yeah. So so yeah, inevitably, uh, I have a lot of content out there. So you know, people come across it. Now, I I, I know I, I I often wonder. I kind of feel like blogging and, and writing and like quote unquote writing is less of a thing now. Mm. And now it's like YouTube, social media, Instagram, yeah. TikTok. You know, I, I and it's just it's just a different way for people to digest content. Um, yeah. However, you know, I, I often see these things. People saying like, "Oh, writing is dead," or uh, whatever. I was like, well, if you're a good writer and you're an engaging writer and, and you, you're able to articulate your message well, and, and actually you're, you're solving a problem that people have, then it's not, it's, that's never going to go away, you know? So, but yeah. yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to, or, you know, to, I, that I, I latched onto that pretty early. Cause when I started blogging, writing, et cetera, you know, there weren't many fitness professionals doing that. I mean, at the time I can think of like guys like Mike Boyle, uh, Dan John, um, Krista Scott Dixon was one of the first blogs I started reading. She's now uh, she's now with Precision Nutrition. Um, mm. What I appreciated about her was that she was very satirical with her writing and very like entertaining and funny with her writing. And she swore in her writing. Right. I was yeah. like, oh my god, we're allowed to do that? Like that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, and I, so I guess in in a way, I lucked out in that I started doing a lot of writing early on where there weren't a lot of people who had blogs or even Facebook pages or Twitter yeah. accounts. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and now it's just, it is what it is. Everyone, everyone has access to everyone. So yeah. I, I, I yeah. often say that it's never been, it's never been easier to get your content out there, but it's never been harder 
to actually get it read by people because there's just yes. so many other people vying for everyone else's attention. So, so true. you know, it, in order to separate yourself from the masses, there is a degree of uh, it factor, so to speak, whether that, whether that is writing or it is just being, being very good on the camera and being engaging on the camera. That is not my strong suit. Like I hate filming videos. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I just, that's just not, I, I'm not, I'm not a meme creator or anything like that. It's yeah, just yeah. not how my brain, it's just not how my brain works. Yeah. So, you know, now we just, we live in an age where it's just, a, it, it, there's a lot of avenues you could go down to, yeah. to, to grow a brand, which is kind of cool, which is very cool. It's not, there's no kind of about it. It is very cool. Yeah. You can find any kind of avenue that works for you as an individual and your personality and, and what works <clears throat> with your strengths. And I think probably a lot of the listeners probably have no idea what Teenage is, to be honest. And, and like, <laughs> and yeah. websites like that, because I don't actually know, um, how active they still are, but I know for myself when I would just got into the industry and this was, you know, this wasn't that long ago. It was like 2013. Um, you know, got into the industry and I remember working at a supplement store. And it was a really boring job. There was like, you know, people just popping in and out every now and then, but there's no, no stocks to like, no shelves to stock, no nothing really. It was just standing there and selling like protein bars and RTDs. But I would just read all day on these websites, yeah. whether it was like bodybuilding.com. Yeah. Exactly what I did early in my career. Yeah, exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. And I would just like lap up all this information and I'm like, man, all this stuff's on here for free. Like I'm learning so much. Like, so by the time I went and did like my personal training uh, certificates and stuff it was just like most of that stuff was it was just learning the theory of anatomy and all that kind of stuff but i'd already had this like really good grasp of i guess uh program design and like physiology and, and nutrition um from just reading so many of these articles from reputable people like yourself and i think i think that I think that like that medium probably is definitely still there, even for people like myself now who like I'll read some of the Andy Morgan stuff because I find yeah. it um it's it's intricate enough for me to be able to you know take some uh you know some I guess theory out of it and apply it to my clients, but also it's like written in a way that's easy to understand and, and it's enjoyable to read. And I think that's a really big um a really big important part for the way you do things is the way it's like relatable for people you know whether you're doing it on a video or whether you're doing it yeah. in, a, in a in a blog post it's like oh i can actually like relate to this dude and, like you talking about you wanting to watch like the matrix like they're super relatable everyone like loves yeah. watching movies you know um so it's not just about like oh i'm a i'm like a, a strength and conditioning coach like i need to get out this like boring ass information to people it's like no i want to uh i wanted to entertain people at the same time and i think that's like well, yeah, that's, that's what really I latched on to early. It was this idea of infotainment. So my first, the first time when I started writing for Teen Nation, TC Luoma, who's the, who's the fitness editor there, the, the chief editor there, he gave me a great piece of advice. He's like, listen, people want to be enter- or informed, but they want to be entertained. And that, that to me is kind of like this, this ebb and flow of, of being a, a, an educator and being, um, you know, I would never label myself an influencer. But, but there is, the, the, yes, people, it's important. You got to know your stuff. I mean, certainly that helps to know anatomy and functional anatomy and programming and how to actually coach a deadlift and break that down. Um, but you, you do have to do it in a way that's authentic uh, and you have to do it in a way where it's relatable. And I think, you know, I think part of what makes me popular, for, so to speak, is that I, I'm kind of, I'm not scared to go off script. Like I'm not always just, I'm not eating and breathing and drinking strength and conditioning all the freaking time. 
Like that's an important part of my life, of course, is how I make a living. But I'm not scared to talk about, hey, these are cool shows I'm watching, or here's a cute picture of my cat, or like, uh, you know, here, here's videos of me and my little guy doing a lightsaber battle in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's just relatable, you know. So you you hit the nail on the head. Is I think that if you're if anyone out there is listening and they're they're they are a, an upcoming trainer and they're like, hey, how can I how can I get more um, build my brand or you know, get my name out there more, I would say stick, stick to being authentic, but don't, mm. and don't, don't be scared to go off script a little bit. I think, um, you know, if you're doing, if you're filming a video on say, uh, how to improve scapular upward rotation, which can be very boring topic, big surprise, you know, but if, if you could do that in a way that's somehow entertaining, now I'm not saying you have to like be like Academy award winning level, like acting here or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I just think the more I mean, people can smell bullshit from a mile away. You can always tell when somebody is is not being themselves, even even if it is on Instagram. It's just yeah. be, be, when it's overly flamboyant and overly like ah, like I I I, <laughs> I mean personally, I can't stand that. Like I hate it when people, you know, it's just that's just me though. I mean, I, I I'm sure yeah. there's some there's some coach out there that's coaching them to do that because they say, oh, the 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 statistics will tell you that that works. You know, right. stick to this script or whatever. But you know, I I don't really stick to any algorithm or script. Mm. I just try to be myself. You know, mm. and really, and just really concentrate on putting good quality content out there. That that again, I I, re, I, I kind of alluded to this earlier. That solves a problem. So what I mean by that is, rather than just constantly barking at a problem, like oh this is stupid, that's stupid, that's stupid, you're an idiot for doing that, or this exercise is dumb. Like, okay, but why? Like, what's, what's, what's the alternative? And why, why okay, why, why do you think that way? Mm. Which is fine. But then back it up and like, and like provide a solution to that rather yeah. than just barking at it. So I think yeah. that's where I feel a lot of people go wrong is they just come across as like a cantankerous, whiny person <laughs> and they don't solve any problems. They're just like, okay. People want people want a solution. So whether it is fat loss or working around an injury or whatever, getting stronger, um, yeah. So there's, I know, I know it's, you know, it's, it's certainly there's a a wide array of answers there. But um, yeah, I, and it's not a sexy answer to say just be yourself. But that's, I, I really feel that that's a yeah a lost a lost art, so to speak. So you like with your content now, I guess you know i guess i guess instagram would be a, a another large part of what you do now as well as who do, who do you think your main target is or the main people that are following you yeah. are and i think that would like relate quite nicely to um you know what we want to chat about in regards to like the differences between i guess what you're doing coaching at Chrissy sports performance and and yep. and now with you know what you're doing at core and and the differences between the two and um and how you know programming is different and things like that so like who do you think your target market is now in terms of your content i think if i had to like describe my avatar of my my audience it's probably 50 percent fitness professionals probably maybe maybe 60 70 percent fitness professionals but also gen pop clients and what I mean by gen pop, I just mean people who aren't like actively like in com a competitive sport. Um, you know, when I was at Cressy Sports Performance, that was my demographic. Like I would say 90% of our clients at Cressy Sports Performance were competitive athletes and 90% of them were baseball players. <laughs> you know, right, we, trained, gotcha. we trained a lot of overhead athletes at Cressy Sports Performance. But you name a sport, we trained them. But we also had a, a fair amount of just 
men and women who wanted to come in and get strong and move well. And, you know, there, there may be rehabbing an injury and, you know, we kind of knew what we were talking about and whatever. Um, and I remember to answer the question in terms of like, you know, training for an athlete or writing programming for an athlete and running a program for just a regular person. Mm. I remember I was doing a, a presentation for a regional uh, national strength and conditioning association conference. It was like a, a regional like two day event. Uh, I think it was in, in Pennsylvania near Philadelphia. And I remember my, I think offhandedly I, and during my presentation, I had mentioned like, you know, Oh, I left Cressy sports performance. Now I do my own thing. And, you know, the bulk of my clients now are just regular people, gen pop clients. And I actually prefer training regular people and gen pop clients as opposed to professional athletes. Um, and I, I just said it and moved on with the rest of my presentation. And I remember fast forward a few hours, I, w- I was standing there with, with, with other presenters and they had like an hour where it's like, okay, quote unquote, you know, just, we're just kind of standing around and mingling and, and like attendees could walk around and ask us questions and like just mingle. And I remember at least three or four times, somebody who had attended my presentation who were trainers or, or, or looking to build their brand were like, so you said this thing where you actually preferred training gen pop clients more so than professional athletes. Like, really? Are you, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there's way more gen pop clients out there than professional athletes. So in terms of paying the bills and getting paid, like, yeah. they're, they're like that, that think of the math, um, <laughs> but you know, and I, I just think I, I like the diversity of working with a lot of different people with different backgrounds and different ability levels. And, and, you know, and, and part of the, the, the adjunct of this conversation is, is I routinely am asked by other trainers and other fitness professionals, like, okay, what is the difference between like writing a program or training an athlete professional or not, it could be high school, collegiate, whatever, and a regular person. And I honestly say not much. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at a program that I write for an athlete, whether we're talking baseball, football, soccer, whatever, and a program that I write for a regular person, assuming like no major injuries, like we're not, I'm not, I'm not worried about like past injury history or current injuries or whatever. Um, there's not much of a difference. Really, the only difference is the, 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 the aggressiveness, like intensity of the exercises. Like I'm not really concerned about hitting like super heavy anything with a, with a gen pop client mm. um, or in the speed at which they are, they are lifted. Like I'm not worried about uh, force production. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. Like I'm training power-ish stuff with my gen pop clients, but I'm not really concerned about bar speed and like, you know, being super fast and explosive on stuff. I mean, I have my, cl- my, my gen pop clients skip and do lateral shuffles and throw med balls and do kettlebell swings. And that is their power training. Uh, you know, I have my gen pop clients work up to like heavy triples or whatever on, on their squats and deadlifts, but I'm not really concerned about like, okay, we got to get you brutally strong or more resilient for this sport. Uh, right. and, and, uh, and if you look at like side to side, a program for an athlete and a program for a gen pop client, I mean, they're both deadlifting, they're both squatting, they're both doing single leg work. They're both doing pushes and pulls and throwing stuff and pushing prowlers and carrying stuff. It's just you know, as, as with anything, it's like, I know it's, it's those, those lifts are geared to the ability level and the goals of the client. So, um, 
you know that, that I know it's not a sexy answer, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, no, that's, that's generally answer. how I how I approach that uh, how I approach answering that question is like you know because yes we could make a case for okay if I'm training a baseball player versus a football player yes there's some minor things that are different there like you know with a baseball player uh, you know we're not doing a lot of overhead activity in terms of like aggressive overhead pressing and there you know we're, we we have to pay a little bit more attention to arm care and stuff like that or like rotator cuff etc um but i mean i i even think mike boyle would say this too is like if you look at these programs like they're they're 95% similar than yeah. they are dissimilar uh so you know i just think a lot of times we have to get out of this 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 idea that okay, it's a baseball specific program or it's a football specific program. Um, you know, you know, we, we have to cater the, these uh, these programs to the to the individual, uh, and yeah. that, that's why we do assessment. Yeah, and I guess as a whole, you know, with those two different populations, you're you're working to develop, I guess, strength, speed, power, power, um, um, muscle mass, and probably all of those populations. But I guess maybe there is just the differences in terms of maybe specificity of training for the particular outcome they're wanting. So sure. if, you know, like what would you change from say a baseball player um, to say a sprinter? Like, would there be massive differences in well, the way that those two individuals were trained given that like they're both going to be, you know, the sprinters predominantly going to be working on uh, league power. Whereas like the baseball player is going to need to, you know, say he's a pitcher, for example, or, or, you know, well, the baseball players, it would be position specific as well. Yes. Oh, are we there Jackson? Sorry. I broke up a little bit. Um, with the baseball player, certainly there, we have to consider position. So how I, how I would program for, a starting pitcher who pitches every five days as opposed to a relief pitcher who you kind of don't know, he, they don't really know when they're going to pitch. I mean, that's, that's going to, that's, that's, that's going to be a little bit different, but the, but we're still addressing like rotator cuff and rotational power and stuff like that. Um, with sprinters, uh, certainly, but in, in the weight room, again, my, the goal isn't to emulate the sport in the weight room. It's just that it, that's where I think the, where some of the confusion gets is like a lot of trainers yeah. get, Oh my God. Okay. Sprinter. Okay. What can I No, Again, you're, you're, you got to look at the human body at, in general. Okay. What are the deficits here? Like what are, what are the demands of the sport? Okay. Yeah. You know, aggressive hip extension with sprinting, of course, you know, they're going to, we have to work on, uh, explosive power in the first 10 yards, whatever, whatever you want to think about, think about a lot of that is helping them get a little bit stronger. Um, I think the bigger, the bigger, uh, conundrum I have with a lot of the athletes I've trained in the past and even currently is, is pumping the brakes a little bit. Cause then they get to the point where it's like, okay, you know, we, we kind of beat them over the head with this idea of getting strong. You know, that, that is subjective. Like what, 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 what is strong and what is strong enough. Right. But, um, you know, it, it, oftentimes I remember when I was at Cressy Sports Performance, a lot of the uh, the minor league guys would show up in late September, early October to start their off season. You know, and they'd be beat up. I mean, they just had a long, a very long summer season playing 100, 130, 140 games. Wow. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, so they're 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 beat up, and you know, and they're pretty strong guys. They're like, okay, maybe they're they're deadlifting. I don't know, 350 pounds, which isn't, which is not in, in, uh, um, not a small number. And then they get in their head like, okay, I got to get to 500. 
I was like, well, no, like you going from 350 to 500 isn't really going to make you throw 20 miles per hour faster. You know, it's just, you know, there is, there, there does come a point where you are strong enough and then it's just a matter of, okay, maintaining proper technique, of course, and, you know, just maintaining a, 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 a certain semblance of, of, of fitness throughout. And we're, the idea here is we're just trying to make you, we're, we're trying to prepare you for that season, you know, addressing any deficits that we see based off the demands of the sport. But really from a programming standpoint, again, there's really not much of a difference between mm. you know, I'm, I'm going to front squat a baseball player. I'm going to front squat a sprinter. <laughs> like, yep. you know, uh, Yes, I guess we could make the case that, like there's probably some ancillary movements and, and whatnot mm-hmm. that, you know, we would stress with a sprinter as opposed to a football player as opposed to a baseball player. But honestly, they're, they're way, there's way more similarities than, than differences in the programming. And really, it's about, it's about customizing it to the individual, not so much the sport that they're playing. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. um, you know, we have to respect you know, leverages and anthropometry and like, and, and like limb links and stuff like that. Like basketball players, like I, I can't remember, you know, any, let's say I, I can't remember the last time I had a basketball player who was six, five, I had them do a deadlift from the floor. <laughs> like, right. I mean, there, there was always going to be some form of elevation there. You know, they're still deadlifting, you know, most, more often, more often than not with a trap bar, they're not using a straight bar, but even then, even with the trap bar, even with the elevated handles, I'm still elevating it even further because they're six foot eight. <laughs> like, you know, so there, there's really, you know, as opposed to maybe somewhat, uh, think of a different sport, say tennis player who's six foot, you know, not six, eight, I'm still going to have that tennis player trap bar deadlift, but I just might not mm-hmm. be elevating it. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. um, you know that I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question. But, no, you did. You um, definitely did. I mean, I think that that's you know it leads on to the whole thing of like, um, I guess, dichotomous thinking and black and white thinking when it comes to exercise selection. Um, when it, in reality, like you're saying, you have to tailor everything to the individual, um, sure. so that they can get the most out of it for whatever particular goal that they have. And I guess for a lot of my the people that I work with is generally like people who want to um, improve cosmetically. You know tone up build lean tissue that kind of that kind of situation which is you know probably a lot of what personal trainers are dealing with um but at the same time the and 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 then i'll deal with some you know strength athletes as well who are you know working towards specific strength goals and maybe they want to do a novice powerlifting meet or whatever it may be but the the program between the two generally they were still covering the fundamentals or foundations of specific exercise or movement patterns i would say and i like the way that you describe that tony is you've got um, the specific movement patterns you want to cover with each athlete. Um, so would you better rattle those off for our listeners and go, hey, look, these are like kind of the, ba- the basics and foundations of a good lifting program? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would give credit to like guys like Dan John and John Russin uh, and those guys, like these fundamental patterns that were after. Gray Cook too. I mean, he kind of hammered this home uh, a lot too back in the day, early perform better days. He would talk about like train train patterns, not not muscles. Mm. Uh, you know, and this is not to say that I don't do any isolation work with any of my athletes or Gen Pop clients because I, I I agree with you that a lot of the the equation here is aesthetics, especially when you start working with uh, Gen Pop clients. Like most dads I work with, yeah. I, they they could give two shits about deadlifting two times body weight. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's yeah, going to yeah. help them get to their goal. Yeah. But you know, they they just want to they they want to look good with it with a t shirt on. You know what I mean? So you know, if I have to add a little like arm work at the end of the workouts, that's that's kind of what they're after. 
Yeah. Um, but in terms of like a general approach to program design, I look, I look at the movement patterns as a hinge, which is deadlift, you know, a hinge is a deadlift. So an anterior posterior hip action, squatting up and down, uh, we'll do a push and pull. So, and those can even be categorized as a vertical and horizontal pushes and pulls. So overhead, as opposed to, you know, it's like an overhead press as opposed to a bench press. So those are both pushes, but one is vertical and one is horizontal. Um, and then we got, then I also said rows. So vertical and horizontal rows. So think chin ups is vertical. Um, like a, a dumbbell row, one arm dumbbell row would be horizontal. Um, then you, then you go in single leg work. Uh, so that could be, and then even then we can go into the, like the Mike Boyle categories where you have single leg supported, single leg unsupported. Like there's, wow. there, there's a whole, there's a whole category there too, but you know, if, if, but in general, you can think about single leg work as like thinking about doing like a split squat or a reverse lunge or a, a single leg Romanian deadlift, stuff like that. I think single leg work, most people hate doing everyone. I, I universally, I feel like I, I can think of all the clients I've had in all my, in two decades of work, I can think of like five that actually enjoy doing single leg work. Yeah. Um, but it's an important category to, 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 to put it into a program because then we talk about, uh, no hip stability and, 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 and you know, the, the, the amount of time we spend on one leg when we're playing sports, I mean, it's all the time. Like it's very specific um, when we talk about single leg work. Um, and then I think we can say core would be part of that, uh, the, that movement pattern. Um, and of course there are many different ways of approaching core training, but I'm, I, t- I definitely take more of the approach of like the anti rotation um, approach where we're trying to, we're trying to offset external forces and, and focus on stability, you know, having a stable spine, stable torso while we're moving our extremities, you know, and that, that to me is more of like, I hate saying it, but functional, uh, yeah, yeah. core training. Um, and then I would also add in carries would be part of that, part of that movement pattern list as well. So I think if, if you really dumbed it down we're talking six seven categories hinge squat push pull single leg core carry you know and when i when i write programs i was like i'm trying to hit those patterns um as best i can giving given the frequency that that client is training the 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 access to equipment that they have and what their and what their past injury history is or what their current injury history is and certainly what their goals are so You know, and and it just, it's just a nice way of simplifying the process. Um, and then, and then, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, my wife is a psychologist and, um, you know, and she, she's kind of a, a a meathead herself. And, you know, I, I, this idea of, I like this idea of giving, um, you know, in terms of like motivation and like motivating your clients to be consistent with their programming, I do like this idea of giving them a little bit of choice. I think when they have a little bit of say mm. on what they're doing in any in any session, if not a program, I think that's important because it just gets it gives them a little bit more buy in with their programming. So, what I mean, a, a, an example of that would be like if I if I have a, a client and they're working with me in person, 
you know, there I'm, I am the guy, like I, I am Zod in this situation. I don't know if any people are going to get that reference, but I, <laughs> I, you know, kneel before Zod. Like I, you know, I like they, they're hiring me for a reason. So I, you know, they, they're hiring me to be their coach and to write their program. So when they come to me to work with me in person, like they are following the program that I write, like, here's what we're doing. You know, we're hitting a, you know, your main lift today is a, is a trap bar deadlift and, th- and we're doing this next and we're doing that at whatever it's, it's written down. Um, at the end of that session, you know, I think a a nice little like trick that any trainer coach could do is just giving them like a window of time to say, okay, you got a little free time here. What do we, what do we want to do? What do you want? What, what part of the body would you like to do? Get a little bit more work in. Um, most guys generally go towards arms. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and most of my women, most of my female clients generally go towards glutes, but but sometimes the roles are reversed. Like there, I mean, there's no, you know, there there are many women who want to have nice looking arms too. Yeah, but uh, so then I'll give them I'll give them a little circuit to do at the end of their session. So you know, it, it's funny how you know they they could like I'll have some female clients who hit like a big deadlift that day and like they they, they crush their workout, but they don't really feel it's a good workout until they leave with a, with a glute burn. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but, but again, giving them a little bit of choice, I think is important because then again, it gets them a little bit more motivated and gets them a little bit more skin in the game with regards to their program. they feel like they have a little bit of say in the matter. It isn't just me regurgitating. Here's what you're doing today. Uh, so I I think that's an important component of program design too, is, you know, yes, as the coach, as, as the professional, giving them what I feel they need to be doing but also giving them a little bit of what they want to be doing. Mm. Um, and that, that, that's where that relationship, that rapport, I mean, that's, that's client coach rapport right there. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's part of the equation of like how I'm able to maintain a, a certain number of people on my client list. Like I, my retention rate's pretty high. And I feel like part of that is because like, I'm not, I'm not some like, you know, hardo coach is like, no, you're going to squat and deadlift and that's it. And that, you know, it's like, no, you got to give them a little bit of what they want. Like that. Totally. I mean, it, we, this is a service industry. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. um, but admittedly because of my, my career capital, I've been around for a while. I, I, I kind of get self-selecting clients. Like they, when, when someone reaches out to me, they're, they kind of know what they're getting themselves into. Like they, there's really, there's very little surprise. It's very rare when somebody walks in like, Oh, who are you? And you know, what are you about? And like, Oh, you like deadlifts? And what are those? Like usually, usually like when, by the time someone reaches out to me, it's either they've read my stuff for a while or they're a referral from a current client or, or friend or whatever. And they kind of, they know what I'm about. So they know that I'm, I'm very interested in, and like, okay, I do want to get you strong. Like I'm not, I'm not training you to be a power lifter, of course, but I, I kind of dig like, yeah, squat, deadlift, bench press, like, let's get you strong. Um, and let's, let's, let's manufacture those lifts to your ability level, to your injury history, to your goals. And then we fill in the gaps with all those other movement patterns I talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, with that, with the example of the, uh, I guess the middle-aged guy who's you know the dad or whatever, and he's you know wanted to look better with his shirt off type situation. How would you describe to that particular client the benefits of getting him strong in a deadlift or getting yeah. him to do carries? You know, like what would be the the reasoning for him to be doing that? Um, and what we, I guess I guess the question is, what's the benefit of of general population getting strong? Yeah, uh, to me. 
I, I explain to it as like, uh, s- strength is kind of the base of all these other attributes that we're trying to build anyway. So if we're talking about strength, power, endurance, aesthetics, like, you know, someone let's, someone who can deadlift two times body weight is rarely a small individual, <laughs> you know? So, and I, and I also think strength, it can be, can be um, kind of the, the analogy I like to use is it, it is a cup. So most people's cup is very small. And like when we, like if strength is the cup, the liquid are are all these other attributes that we're trying to improve. So again, whether it's aesthetics, whether it's power, whether it's endurance, whether it's even rehabbing an injury, you know, if you're, if your cup is small and it's teeming at the brim, like it's, it's hard to make any progress. So the idea of strength is that if I get you stronger, I make your cup bigger so then we can put more stuff into the cup. Right. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah, I think I said right. it in a way. So, um, and I do think aesthetics come into that. So, so again, this is not, this is not to say that, like, that I'm anti like doing body part splits or like doing like extra arm work or, you know, let's, let's work on rear delts a little bit more or whatever. Like, I think that that's part of the equation, but I think the meat and potatoes of most programs that I write is going to have more of a strength emphasis and being cognizant of like, okay, are we are we doing more work week to week to week? Are we are we are we remaining aware of progressive overload so we can actually make adaptations here and force the body to get stronger and be more resilient and make change? Uh, but then, and, and I I think as a corollary to that part of I, I as a coach I try to get my clients more in tune with performance based goals. So rather than saying, you know, I always ask a, when I do an intake with a client, I say, okay, well, of course, what are your goals? Why, why are you here? <laughs> right. And, and they'll say, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to, I want to, I want to get rid of my dad bod, for example. And I was like, great. I'll, I'll lean into that. Like, I don't roll my eyes. Like, I, I know what they're saying. And, you know, I, I, great. I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, eventually as like a week or two goes by or maybe three, we start having a conversation about a performance-based goal. So meaning, okay, I see that you're struggling doing a chin-up. Why don't we get you to the point where you can do five, like strict body weight chin-ups? Or I see you struggling to be able to do a deadlift while you're rounding your back. Why don't we get you to the point where you're deadlifting your body weight for five, eight, ten reps, you know, as a start? And I find that after a while, when I when I show them, okay, fast forward five, six, seven, eight weeks, that they're doing stuff now that they couldn't dream about doing it on day one. Mm. Like there's a flip that switches. And oftentimes what I, what I find about a performance-based goal, because eventually those goals become a little, the, the, the ante is upped a little bit. So eventually they're going to be like, oh, I think it'd be cool to deadlift 200 pounds. Like that'd be kind of a cool thing to do or whatever. And they, they kind of organically start figuring it out themselves. And to me, when I get them to that point where they start making performance-based goals rather than, rather than like, I wouldn't say superficial goals, like or arbitrary goals, like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to look a certain way. You know, once I get them to performance-based goals, the amount of work and effort it takes to get to that goal, the aesthetic stuff just kind of happens anyway. Yeah. Uh, assuming they're being consistent and they're, they're not eating like an asshole and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're sleeping well, they're recovering, we're having that conversation. So I just find it's a nice, it's just when, when that, when that flip switches and they, they get, they go, they, they kind of lean away from, okay, I got to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds, or I got to look a certain way. And then it's more so here's, here's where you are today. 
I want to be able to, I want to get you to the point of be able to doing this thing that get you from A to B. A lot of that aesthetic stuff just happens anyway. Mm. Um, and, and, and which is cool because then it's just killing two birds with one stone, which yeah. is great. hundred <laughs> percent. So I guess that leads on quite nicely to, I did want to chat about, you know, core training a little bit and the misconceptions sure. around that because we, you know, I guess majority of people will try to do, <laughs> I get this question all the time, like, Hey, can you add more ab work to my program? Um, yeah. and it's like, yes, I can. But like, I want to describe to you why. Yeah. I'm going to do it this way as opposed to what you probably think you want to do. Um, you know, and what they want to do is, you know, a stack a lot of crunches, um, you know, and things like that because they want to feel their abs working because then they'll feel like they're burning body fat on them and they'll right. feel like they'll get a better, a better abdomen that way. Um, how would you approach ab training now and, and I guess general core training um, and to, I guess, to try and explain to our listeners the benefits of training the core, but training it in potentially a slightly different way than they may have thought about ab training in the past from, you know, general fitness programs and, and classes that they may have done. Right. So you kind of alluded to it already. Cause I think that that's the thing is people, they view ab training as like, I, I got to feel my abdominals burning. You know, I got to feel them working in order to make, to make any progress there. And, you know, I, I, I get it. Like we, you know, it's, it's the same thing of like a guy wanting to get a pump in his arms, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or glutes. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. You know, the, the geeky answer here is if we look at the anatomy of the, of the spine, the lumbar spine is not really designed to do, to have a lot of motion. I mean, it's, there's always going to be some degree of motion there. It, it isn't just a stiff rod that isn't supposed to move. And, you know, Dr. Stuart McGill Early, you know, it's, it's kind of like the godfather of, of, of spine biomechanics and like how repetitive flexion can be um, can be deleterious to the spine. Uh, I think the, the the that's kind of the flavor of that's kind of changed over the over the last decade or so because I'm not someone who's like adamantly against like people avoiding flexion at all costs. Um, I, I'm adamantly against people against loaded flexion and a lot of repetitive flexion. So meaning, you know, when when we're doing a lot of crunches or if we're um, you know, rounding our back on a loaded deadlift, like that, mm. that's, that's a spinal position that, that isn't healthy. <laughs> um, yeah. but with core training, you know, the lumbar spine, not, not meant to move a lot. And when we're doing a lot of repetitive flexion, we're doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of crunches, you know, we can make the case that that's not great for the lower back. Um, you know, is this to say that all spinal flexion is bad and you're going to, you're going to blow out your spine because of that? No, I'm not saying that. I, I think, the industry's kind of changed its 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 case on that. Mm. Um, however, I, as a coach, I'm not really ever going out of my way to add more on like flexion volume with most of my clients, especially Gen Pop clients, because most of the time they're sitting at a desk all day anyway in flexion. Um, you know, that with their 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 shoulders are rounded and they're just in that rounded position all day, like in front of their their computer screen. So the last thing that I want to do when they're in a session with me is more flexion because <laughs> um, yep. they, they're getting gotcha. enough of that in their everyday life anyway. Um, and if you, if you look at it, if you read, not that most of your readers are going to be reading anatomy books, but maybe they are, um, you know, the, the main job of our core is like, it's like this interspersed webbing. Um, and the main job of the core is to, you know, is, is to um, uh transfer force from the lower body through the core to the upper body. I mean, there's, there's, there's that of course. I mean, but again, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier where it's like, you know, we want to have a stable 
torso stable spine, you know, um, offsetting external forces, like resisting flexion, resisting extension, resisting rotation, you know, and train and and be be able to move our limbs and maintain that integrity throughout exercise. So to me, my preference of core training tends to be stuff like pal-off presses, um, carries, uh, you know, and, and honestly, like when, when I have this conversation with my clients, I say, technically speaking, everything we're doing in the weight room is core training, mm. <laughs> you know? So, you know, if I have somebody hold a, a kettlebell in front of their body and they do a goblet squat, like they're working their core cause they're, they're, they're resisting it from rounding forward and flexing forward. Um, you know, so you know, I try to I try to educate them in saying that listen, your core is involved with all this, you know, and if and if if and if really what if what you're saying is like you want more abdominal work because you, you can't see them, well, maybe that's a discussion we need to have about your diet. Yeah. Because that's just really, you know, you have fat covering your abdominals and you know, you want to be able to showcase your abdominals and get rid of the fat. Um, you know, but it, Sometimes I, I, you know, I'll, I'll throw someone a bone and say, okay, you want, you want to feel the core. Okay. Let's do some rollouts. Let's do some, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. So, um, hopefully I was able to kind of articulate like why I, why I'm against crunches. Um, you know, do I think someone doing like three to four sets of 10, 15, 20 crunches is going to make their spine blow out? No. Um, but I just think there's, there's better uses of our time when I have somebody for an hour. Yeah, you know, and true. I and I and I can train and I can just train their core in a more functional manner using, you know, like I said, pallet presses or very or various chops and lifts and carries and stuff like that. Um, I, and and honestly, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody, um, you know, when when I teach them how to do a proper or, or strict chin up or I teach them to do a proper strict like goblet squat, it's amazing how the next day they feel, oh my God, my abs are so sore today. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, like, <laughs> like you look at, I mean, it's funny if you look at a lot of those EMG, if a lot of um, EMG studies, like a, a, a chin up is a great core exercise. <laughs> right. You, I mean, you, you're, you're, that spine is not moving and you're resisting that swaying and resisting all that body English in order to do like an actual strict chin up. Interesting. Um, you want to talk about engaging your core. It's that, I mean, yeah, you're not doing a bunch of crunches, but you are training your core. So to me as a coach, it's just a lot of having repetitive education on like what, what, what true core training actually is. Yeah. Um, and then, and then eventually my clients get it. <laughs> yeah. And that, and let's be honest, like, you know, you know, for a fact when they're on their own, they're doing, they're doing crunches anyway. So <laughs> let's be, honest. I mean, we, we know as coaches that, when they're at home and they're, 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 they're adding that stuff in anyway. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday. Yeah. So, um, you know, at, at, but when they're, when they're, when I'm writing their programs and when they're with me in person, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, more, more, uh, the, the stuff that I want them to do. How prevalent do you actually think uh, a weak core actually is? Cause that's one of the common ones I see come up with a client is like, Oh, I've just got a really weak core, or I nearly I need to strengthen my core, or whatever it may be. And I'm and I'm always like questioning whether that's really the true case here, and maybe it's just overall body that is you know tends to be weak, and we can just strengthen the whole body yeah. and through yeah. through, through exactly. I I think I always say strength is corrective, uh, but and positions matter. So you know what this this kind of falls into this idea of like what proper technique is. So yeah. To me, a lot of times, 
when it comes to like improving somebody's squat or their deadlift or their bench press or whatever, a lot of it, a lot of it, the fix is, is just honing their technique. It isn't so much adding in more core work or this or whatever. I mean, that's part of, that could be part of the equation. I mean, they might have a weak upper back or a weak whatever, but you know, the reason why some people can't express their true strength is because they're in poor positions to begin with because their their whole body is weak. It isn't just one part of the, it isn't just their core. Right. So, um, you know, to me, my, my starting point for a lot of my clients is teaching them how to do a dead bug properly, uh, and a bird dog properly Two is probably the most boring exercises in the world to perform because <laughs> everyone does them. But then when you watch them do them, it's like, they're moving from them, like their, their lower back is swaying all over the place. And they're, they're, they just look like they're having a seizure. And it's like, no, like, no, you like, you know, it's a fact. Like most people, you watch most people do a, low, a bird dog and you just see their lower back just moving up and down all over the place. And it's like that, that to me, that's anti-core training right there. Right. So, you know, when, when I take the time to teach them how to do those exercises correctly, they're like, oh my God, this is so hard. And then yeah. I add in a proper breath. Where it's like right. a full exhale, they get all that, they get all their air out of their lungs, they get that rib cage down, they feel their anterior core turn on. It's a whole different ballgame there. Because again, to me, with like a dead bug or a bird dog, if they if my client can't do that, which to me is, is all about like rib positioning and, and like you know like like building context of like okay, where how do you feel a proper abdominal brace you know, so you so you can protect your spine when you actually load it. It, I'm, you're not going to have a prayer when I put a barbell on your back if you can't own a strict dead bug or a strict bird dog. So right. it's always so I always try to have this conversation from day one. It's like, okay, you want to talk about core training? Let's show me your dead bug, show me your bird dog, and, and they roll their eyes like, oh my god, I do dead bugs and bird dogs. And and then when I actually show them how I want them to do it, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a total like I, their eyeballs bulge. Just like, oh mm. my god, this is so hard. And they feel that they actually feel then they they feel their core, which that's what they want. So then, you know, and that just, and again, just kind of feeds into my, my conversation with them, how I like, okay, it's about proper position and like making sure that you have your spinal integrity. And then you, you maintain that integrity while you move your extremities. Um, and then they kind of get it. It's like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Cause then when I, when I do load them with a barbell on their back and they do a, a back squat or a front squat, it's like they 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 own it. Like they they understand what I mean when I say abdominal brace and protecting your lumbar spine and intra-abdominal pressure and being able to execute the lift properly. And like, because like when I have somebody do a squat, I don't want their I don't want the movement to come from their lower back. I want the movement to come from their ankles, knees, and their hips, and, and maintaining a proper torso uh, integrity. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all it's, it, it all it all connects. Like yeah. you know, and, and and if I can if I can make that connection with the dead bug burger dog, which again very boring exercises, but when done correctly, not so not so boring. Uh, it, it, it it feeds very well into when we start when I start loading them on their deadlift and on their squats, etc. Yeah, it's it's about developing that you know all-rounded i guess like you like you alluded to like a functional human you know they can they can move and bend and and operate in the way that they were supposed yeah. to before they got into a and, and don't get me wrong again i think you hit it there well too jackson is like you know my my goal isn't for them to avoid flexion and avoid extension and avoid any lateral bending i mean that stuff's going to happen in real life yeah you know but I want to prepare them for that in real life in the weight room. Like I'm not trying to emulate those motions in the weight room. 
mm. again. I, but mm. but I do want to help them. Uh, you know, for, for example, like I'm not when somebody rounds their back a little bit on a on a deadlift and they go into a little lumbar flexion. Like I, I'm not like hyperventilating into a paper bag or anything. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! We you know, you, people have to learn to get in, into compromising positions in order to get out of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, great. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm, when I'm teaching a beginner how to do a deadlift and how to do a front, I'm, I'm pretty strict with them. I'm like, I want them to be perfect. Like, I'm not loading them super heavy anyway. Like, I, I want those reps to be immaculate and clean and crisp mm. and fast. And it's just hammering, you know, and, and really in the early stages, I'm not really worried about, like, adding five pounds every week. Like to me, a lot, a lot of part of progression is the feel of an exercise, you know, making, making a certain weight feel easier. I think a lot of the, lot, where a lot of people get into problems is they get in this idea of like, okay, progressive overload just means adding more weight each week in order to make progress. And it's like, and then eventually they, they, it's weird. They'll, 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 they'll crush a certain weight and then they add five pounds and then there's, oh my God, they, they get, they get stapled. It's like, well, you didn't do enough repetitions at that previous weight to earn the five pounds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, a lot of it is just feel of a set, or uh, and, and making sure that um, that they're they're just in the, in the early stages. Like I'm, yeah, I'm pretty strict with technique, but eventually, when they become an intermediate lifter, you know, say a year down the road, a year and a half, like I'm, they, yeah, the body's gonna move, like the spine is going to move. Like even McGill will say, like. You know, even when we say like, okay, you want to avoid sheer stress on the spine, you don't want to round your lower back on a deadlift. I mean, there is some rounding there. I mean, you, you might not be able to see it with your eye, but the, the spine is moving. Yes. But I don't want it to like look like the St. Louis Arch or anything when they're, <laughs> when they're doing when they're doing a deadlift. So yeah. you know, to me, you know, the, the the weight room doesn't 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 necessarily equate to real life. Like you know, we you know, there's certain there's certain stuff in the weight room I would prefer not to see. Like when we're when we're squatting, deadlifting, etc. Yeah, I don't want to see like a lot of upper back rounding or lower back rounding, whatever in real life, when you're picking up your kid and, you know, mm. tying your shoes and whatnot, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to move in precarious positions. And I think the, the weight room helps you prepare for that. So then you don't, you don't hurt yourself when it happens in, in real life situations. Yeah. I think, you know, for myself, when I look at progression, I, I very much agree that it's, it like, I guess you get into this mindset of like, it can just be, I just need to get stronger every week. But if you look at the time course of, you know, what I and, and probably someone like yourself, Tony, you know, aspire to train for the rest of our lives, it's like, well, I can't just add load every single week because yeah, I wish it worked, there's, I there's wish only, it worked that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only so much progression you can, you know, you could really take and, and you have to be realistic in that sense. So then it comes down to like, okay, um, I can't exactly just get stronger every single week, but yeah, I can make this movement look better, feel better. Um, I can, you know, potentially increase volume of my hypertrophy, sure. you know, if I have a hypertrophy goals, whatever it may be, but it might not be just increasing load. I might just be progressing in, in other elements as well. And it's, um, yeah, it's trying to, dr- uh, I guess, drill that into clients and go, hey, look, it's not just about increasing load every single week. Um, there are other progression. Yeah. Methods. I mean, I, I think this idea of uh, more load, more load, more load, I think it's important because most people do need that. It's like, listen, you're not, <laughs> you, you aren't, you aren't being aware of that. Like that is yes. a problem for a lot of people. Don't get 100%. me wrong. But I, but I, I know when I have a conversation with my clients sometimes where I say, listen, the idea here isn't to, isn't to, 
um, load, add, add five to 10 pounds each, each week at a certain weight. It'll say, cause they'll, they'll, I'll watch them do an exercise where it's like, you know, they, they, they do their third set and it's like that, that, that fifth or sixth rep is really hard. It really, it really looked awful. And then they're in their mind, they're like, well, I got to add more weight next week because this is what we did this week. And I'd be like, no, I want to make, I want to make that load feel easier next week and the week after that. So then, so eventually those reps feel easier and they, they look easy, they look better. Mm. And that's progression to me. If I, if I, if I stay at the same weight with them, you know, week one to week three, for example, and then by week three, like it looks great. It feels easier. Like they're cr- like the, the bar speeds is just, is just faster by week three, even though we didn't increase the load, that is progression to me. Cause then it feels less effortful. Is that, does that not mean you didn't get stronger? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of it is neural adaptations. Of course, it isn't, it isn't like making the sarcomeres bigger and making your muscles bigger. You know, a lot of it's neural adaptation. Um, but that is part of the equation of, of progression. I think, um, as I sort of come to land this one, Tony, I wanted to ask you, like, with the with the like invent of all these, I guess, different modalities of of fitness these days. I mean, uh, the fitness industry as a whole is still very young, and so we're seeing all these, you know, different modalities of training, group fitness classes, um, online programs, things like this that all have their own flavor and different way of doing things. And I'm definitely of the of the mindset that I want to have people moving in whatever way that they enjoy doing like and and the more that they, they can do of that then the better you know the more that we can keep people moving and if they can sure. find something they enjoy doing they'll do it more often but at the same time um also the mindset of like hey maybe some of the time you should be doing not everything that you love but some of the stuff that you should just do you know like it's not just about having like the most you know fun doing your training program at all times is also doing what you need to be doing to yep. uh you know to to have a functioning body so with i guess a lot of these different modalities coming out now and in classes and and programs what do you see as some of the um maybe the the issues with these or what they're getting wrong or maybe what they're skipping in terms of program design or or effort or or progression um from someone who has been in the industry for the time that you have and has this background of strength and conditioning and working with athletes what do you think maybe some of the fundamentals are missing uh you know i i to me i think the biggest problem nowadays is because we everyone has so much more access to information that we we've gotten we've gotten enamored with this new shiny object situation where, you know, they, they're, they're, someone's on a program or they, they started this exercise and they're doing a really good job with it. And then they see something online. Oh, that looks really good. That looks cool. I want to do that now. And it's like, they turn the page too quickly. Gotcha. Um, I think that to me is a bigger problem nowadays is just people being too, we have like an ADD culture of, of fitness where it's like, they want to be a jack of all trades. Like they know one, you know, it's like one week, you know, that I want to focus on fat loss and effects. No, I want to get stronger. No, I want to do CrossFit. No, I want, <laughs> it's, it's like, focus on one thing, please. Like, like yeah. Um, so I think to me, that's the bigger problem. It's just like, again, like pulling the reins a little bit on our athletes and our clients and saying, like, keep the goal, the goal, like that's an, mm. another Dan John, like popular quote, what, what is the right. goal? The goal is to keep the goal, the goal. Um, so 
that's part of my job as a coach most of the time is just keeping people on on task yeah. with what their what their goal is because then eventually they start and to me like another problem like they, they want to add they keep want they keep wanting to add exercises or add stuff and I was like well if we're gonna do that we have to take something away like we can't just keep adding stuff to your program and you ex- you just expect to make progress like you know if anything we have to if you're gonna add something we got to take something away mm. so. Um, so to me, that's, that's the larger conversation or problem is just that, you know, we get, again, people just get too enamored with, uh, new stuff and new programs. And, you know, they, they never, they never give the current one they're doing enough time to actually Mm. like, to like stick and actually take effect. Um, is that, is that answer the question? Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's super common and it's, it's, you know, we have really short attention spans these days. So, you know, awful. (laughs) so we just want the yeah we don't want to do something new and fun and and even like you're saying take something yeah if you're gonna add something and take something away like there's a whole bunch of us at the moment working towards a marathon and we've never done one before um and that means i've had to adjust programming to like pull away from our strength and hypertrophy works uh, enough to maintain it but it's like you know that some of the clients are seeing strength drop a little bit or they might not be feeling as strong under the barbell and things like this i'm like yeah because the like we're, we're changing the goal here. Like we're prioritizing yeah. something else and we just have to, I guess, accept that and go, Hey, look, let's try and maintain as much as we can, but remembering where our priorities lie for this particular phase. Um, and yeah. then we can come back to that later, you know? It's so, great. but that's also plays into why I feel strength is so important. Like it's like a general, having a base of strength is important because the cool thing about strength, when you get to a certain level of it, it doesn't take a lot of volume to maintain it. So, you know, you, you and, it, and it sticks around the longest. I, you mm. know, I think it's power like goes away quick, more quick, like within days. Like if you don't train it, it like it dissipates quite quickly. Um, strength lingers for like oh, seven, 10, 14 days. So what's mm. nice about that is you just kind of have to like subtly remind the body every like ten days, like what it, what it means to like hold something heavy or pull something heavy. It doesn't mean a PR. You're not trying to break a personal record or anything. You're just trying to kind of remind the body of like what a what what something heavy feels like and it, you can maintain it pretty easily once you once you attain that certain level i mean it takes a lot of work to get there but once you have it or once you have like a base level of it it doesn't take a lot to to maintain it which is cool so like as you say like if you have clients who are interested i want to start working for a marathon or i want to like you know you can you can still maintain there's i mean there's going to be some drop off it's just inevitable uh as you said but you know, you just kind of what's cool about the strength component is like you just got to have like every every week or two just say, hey, let's work up to a, a triple of this and then just kind of remind the body of like what, what it can do and then move on to the to the main goal. That's awesome, Tony. So I guess to finish up here, um, before I ask you the final question I'd like to ask some of our guests is just letting the listeners know what you've got going on for the rest of this year and what's coming up <laughs> in the works for you and, and oh, also man. where they can find you. I'm hoping I was hoping at some point to be able to, to start doing workshops again this year, but that's oh, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are still got a few restrictions yeah, going on in well, your area. We, it's, it's a, I mean, Boston is, is open. Um, but in terms of like, just, yeah, you know, I, I've had to cancel a few uh, speaking engagements just because of the Delta variant and people's reticence to travel. And I get it. It's just, it's yeah. just the nature of the beast right now. So, yeah. um, you know, starting next spring, 
uh, I, I'm hoping to make it over to to the UK and start doing more international travel with workshops and cool. not to mention across the US. So um, I got really nothing planned until then. Like I'm, uh, I have a few side projects that I got to get my butt and gear on. But right now it's just really focusing on um, my my brick and mortar business and, and uh, training my clients in person um, and then getting some writing in when I can. Cool. Uh, and then eventually eventually the travel will pick up. So I'm hoping I miss it dearly. So ho- I'm, I'm hopeful yeah. that by next year I'll be able to do it again. Um, yeah. Maybe make it down to New Zealand at some point. I mean, I've hey, been to Australia go. twice. I haven't made nice. it to New Zealand. But, oh yeah, man. Uh, but hopefully make it down there at some point. Yeah. Well, we, we have had a really good run with COVID and have been open for like majority of the whole uh, yeah. pandemic, but we've just, we've just, you know, had the Delta pop its head up and we've been in lockdown for the last sort of four or five weeks. So, um, we're all hanging out for everything to be opened up again so we can, yeah, do some travel and, and, you know, and travel around our own country as well, which has been yeah. super nice to do while there's no one around. Um, but yeah, Hey, um, one of the, the, the last things I like to do is to ask you a super broad question and, you know, I just love to hear whatever comes to mind for you because um, I know you've got some interesting insights and, and some great life experience. So the question is, uh, what is one uh, eye-opening experience that you think every human should have? Uh, you know, if you would have asked me this question uh, five plus years ago, uh, I would have, it would have been completely different. But now okay. I, I, think, I think having a kid has been a pretty profound experience. Uh, you know, I, 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 for all my life, I was like, I never want to have a kid. I never, I'm not interested in that. Uh, and eventually, my, my girlfriend, now wife and I had the conversation of like, okay, I think we're going to want to, we're going to want to do this if our relationship's going to progress. And, you know, we did it <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, we're approaching our little guys approaching five years old and it's wow. just, it's, it's such a, it's, it, it's, just, it's such an, um, I mean, it sucks sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I think any parent would say like it fucking sucks sometimes. But yeah, <laughs> like, totally. but in in general, like I really, she and I, it's kind of cool to see the human that we're that we're we're kind of cultivating and growing and seeing that you know he's you know he's got his own personality now and his own interests and you know we're just kind of it's kind of cool to just see that process. Yeah, um, and it kind of yeah. just makes you think about life in general. Like you know, like un, unabashed love for something is that. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like. So, yeah, I think, again, if you would have asked me that question like six years ago, it would probably have been something like, oh, I want a deadlift, but blah, 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 blah. But now it's like, yeah, I, I think having a kid is 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 quite the life experience. <laughs> like, yeah, so. that's a great perspective. I mean, I love hearing that because I've been having that conversation with a lot of friends recently around like, do you want to have kids? Um, you know, and and it is a question that I think we are privileged enough to be able to make the choice of these days. Like, you know, that wasn't really the case throughout human history. So you're at a point now where it's like, okay, I can actually decide that I'm not going to, you know, recreate. I'm not going to you know, contribute yeah. to the species. And it's totally fine. Totally it's fine. fine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I can, you know, I could focus on my career endeavors or personal goals or whatever it may be, whatever it finds, you know, whatever, um, gives that person fulfillment and if that is having a kid if that is going to fulfill someone then that's great as well it's like i think it's just it's super cool that you can have that choice now um and i and and that's interesting yeah yeah, perspective to hear from from you tony just that you initially didn't want to go down that route but now that you're there no way 
now that you're there, it's it's and I often see like you know, especially like kind of the you have a you have a son. Is that is that right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So the the, the father son dynamic, I think, is super cool to see. And like you know, when I see a, you know a father like watching their kid like skateboard or like play sports or whatever it may be, I'm like, oh, that would be super cool. Like I like those kind of moments. I think I think that'll be a really special time for you as well, Tony. Having like you know your sporting background and then potentially your son getting involved in well, different things like that as you know, well. My 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 wife seems to think that I'm going to coach little league. I I keep hey. saying I'm, I, I adamantly am not going to do that. <laughs> I could see that. But- <laughs> but, but he's he's approaching that age now, and uh, we we feel like now like from five to I think twelve is kind of like the sweet spot from what we've heard, and then after that, you know, teenage years enter, and then we don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, it's it's a pretty this like four plus has been great. Like you know, having yeah. like infant isn't really all that fun because they can't do anything, and you're kind of at their beck and call at all times. And like I said, it's it's a hard it's a hard. Uh, endeavor for sure but but now it's been very rewarding too and it's been it's been uh yeah it's been pretty surreal to just like experience that myself yeah that's awesome man hey well i want to thank you so much for giving up your time here tony and i know the listeners are going to love this one and um i think take away some some really good practical stuff that we haven't covered on the the podcast so far so it's been a really great chat around this is great yeah yeah, it's it's always good, and and I always like, when I listen to any of your stuff, it's there's I always like you know come away thinking, man, there were so many like good like one liners in there that you say. So um, hopefully we can extract some of those and and use them for further content as well. Yeah, no, I, and then uh, likewise is uh, I I whenever it's it's just like two dudes just talking shop. I, I, yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. where the best content comes out. So hundred uh, percent, it's been my pleasure to come on the show. There you have it, guys. Tony Gentlecore, a wealth of knowledge in strength and conditioning and someone to definitely keep an eye on if you care about long-term strength and progression within the gym. I think it's incredibly common and very easy to get caught up in flashing new program design and new fitness modalities and often just left jumping from program to program, class to class and constantly changing your training. But there's something to be said for sticking with something, sticking with the basics and as Tony likes to say quite often, the most successful programs are often the most boring ones. Stick to the fundamental movement patterns, progress those over time fall in love with the process and you'll eventually have a strong functioning human who also aesthetically looks really great. With that being said, if you want someone to take away the thinking for you, definitely hit me up about my online coaching services and we can program for you remotely via our training app and have you training from anywhere in the world following a progressive program that focuses on the basics but also does some of those exercises that you love to do like curls and hip thrusts and whatever it may be that you love to do. So all the information on online coaching is on my website whether it's full nutrition and training coaching or just a training program that you're after. Let me know, love to work with you. Um, It's been a lot of fun recently working with people around the world so let's keep that going and of course if you want to check out any of tony's content it's all linked in the episode description for you so go ahead and check that out and don't forget guys the lifeblood of this podcast is its community so i love to see the episodes being shared online on instagram and getting it into more people's ears if you feel like doing me a massive favor 
give the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, and of course, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I've got some phenomenal episodes in the works, so be on the lookout for those every fortnight or so. And with that, we'll see you in the next one.